Well, good morning, Mission Church. How are you guys today? Everybody doing okay? Would you just turn to your neighbor and say, I need a Sabbath break? <laughs> Hillary, I didn't quite. So uh, I did, Cyrus. So uh, our uh, lead pastor, Zach, a couple of weeks ago started a brand new series about uh, rest and about Sabbath rest. And Zach asked me a couple of weeks ago if I would speak to you about the Sabbath and what the Sabbath means. And so if you have your Bible, uh, find the book of Daniel. Find the book of Daniel. And uh, I think we have some slides up here, so uh, maybe we could put those up too. But I want to <clears throat> just bring to you, we're going to look at a, a bunch of different scriptures this morning, but I want us to focus in on Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And a lot of people, when they read the book of Daniel, they, they don't really think about the Sabbath, but it is definitely related to the Sabbath. So hear the word of the Lord, and I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of the word of the Lord, and then you can sit back down. So Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Listen to what Daniel, the writer, says. He says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, so you got two different kings, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. May the Lord bless his word. You can be seated. So um, last year for my birthday, um, I had an iPhone 5 and my wife bought me a brand new iPhone 6S. Now, I, I know for those of you that are techies, um, this is not the cutting edge. I know there's the 7, and I, I hear the 8 supposed to come out this fall, but um, I was really excited. I actually had uh, the very first Macintosh computer that ever came out in 1983, the 512K, and then we upgraded to the 512K Enhanced. Not sure what that means, but... Um, you know, when you think about it, uh, how many of you guys, if you, ha you know what, if you have an iPhone, just hold it up, okay? All you Android people, too bad for you, all right? So look how many people have these things. Do you know that there's more technology in this iPhone 6S than the computers that put a man on the moon? I mean, think about that. That is ridiculous. That's insane. Really, when you think about it, this is not just a phone, this is a mini computer, right? How many of you guys would be in serious big time trouble if you lost your phone? Have you ever lost your phone? Have you ever dropped your, your phone in the toilet? There's a cure for that. But, um, you know, I was excited when I got this phone. This phone, of course, everything's in the cloud, but this phone, if, if I were to leave this phone at, at church, and, and, and there was someone at church that was a bad person, which there isn't, and you found this phone, and you, turn, you hit the home button, you couldn't get into my phone. And that's a good thing, because my phone, because I have, well, I have two jobs. I have a job here at the Mission Church, and then I work for Seattle's Union Gospel Mission, and my job requires 
a fair amount of confidentiality. And if you were to somehow get into this phone, you would have access to confidential information. I don't have anything to hide. There, there's nothing bad. But there are things that people tell me that I'm not supposed to tell other people. And, and many of you have jobs like that as well. So what do you do? You put a passcode in, right? I'm going to tell you this morning what my passcode is. Now, I'm going to change it right after the message. But if you were to somehow get in touch with my phone or grab my phone, I'm going to tell you right now what the passcode is. All right, you ready for this? And I want you to write it down. And as I give it to you, I want you to think whether or not the digits, the six different digits that I give you ring a bell. Are you ready? Here we go. Seven, and I'm not, this is like the real thing. Seven, two, two, five, eight, six. Seven, twenty-two, five, eight, six. Now, don't show off, but raise your hand if those numbers mean something to you. Tony, if you don't raise your hand, I am just going to feel like a total failure. All right? Pastor Phil, anybody else? 722, 586. Minnie Gazelle? Okay, thank you. Thank you, former Bible students. We want to talk about Sabbath this morning, so I want to begin, if those dates don't mean something to you, I want to begin by talking about these dates. King David. King David in the Bible is known as the greatest king that ever lived. In fact, um, I've been to Israel four times. If you were to fly into the airport, as soon as you got off, you would see King David, King David, King David. I mean, King David Slurpees, the King David Hotel. Um, king David still, to this day in Israel, is viewed as the greatest king that Israel ever had. Now, was he a perfect king? No, because he wasn't a perfect man. But listen to what the Bible says in First uh, Chronicles. So David went on, this is in First Chronicles eleven nine. So David went on and became great, and the Lord of hosts was with him. I mean, imagine if you could fill your name into that verse, all right? So Hillary went on and became great because the Lord of hosts was with her. Just fill your name in there. I mean, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8 that, in fact, the Lord of hosts is with us. If God is for us, who can be against us? No one. But David died. One of the things about David is that he was a bit of a player. And he had several different wives and several different girlfriends. Consequently, he had a lot of kids. And when David dies, there's, there's a bit of a war, more than a bit of a war in David's household as to who gets to ascend to the throne. Now, we know that Solomon makes it to the throne. You're like, Dan, what does this have to do with your phone? You'll see in just a second. In 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 39, listen to this. Then Zadok, the priest, took a horn of oil from the tabernacle, because there wasn't a temple yet, and anointed Solomon, and they blew the horn, the shofar, and all the people said, long live King Solomon. See, in order to be king in Israel, you had to have the high priest anoint you with oil. No high priest, no oil, no kingdom. 
And Solomon beat Adonijah to the punch, and he had the blessing of the high priest, and so Solomon becomes king. Was he a perfect king? No, because there's no perfect man. We all have problems. But when Solomon dies, there's a civil war, and the kingdom divides. I think we have a, 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 some slides, slide guy for that. The kingdom, the kingdom divides. Now, this is a little confusing. Because even though the whole place is called Israel, what happens after the death of Solomon is that 10 of the 12 tribes go to the north. That would be north of Jerusalem. Two of the tribes stay in Jerusalem and, and in the southern part. That's called Judah. So you've got Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And the northern kingdom was a very corrupt kingdom. If you were to read... Um, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, you would see that there, there are no good kings in the, in the northern part. Uh, when I used to teach high school Bible, this was the most difficult part for me, uh, the kings of the northern part of the country, because they're all losers. I mean, it's just, it's just a horrible story. So there, there aren't any good kings, there, are, there weren't any good queens, and this was a group of people that basically gave God the bird. And, and God would send prophet after prophet after prophet, and no one would respond. So what does God do? Well, in 722, God stirs up the Assyrians. And if you know anything about world history, even to this day, the Assyrians were, were, they were ancient ISIS. I mean, they, they were known for burying people up to their neck in the sand next to fire ant hills and then pouring honey on their heads, and they just say, see ya, good luck with that. I mean, they were horrible, horrible people. God sends them to the northern kingdom in 722, and they devastate the northern kingdom. They, they wipe out the northern kingdom. I mean, there is nothing left. Now, some of the guys, if, if you know your geography, uh, where Assyria, their capital was Nineveh, that should ring a bell. Uh, it's landlocked. There's no beach. Some of the Assyrian soldiers decide they want some beachfront property. They take Jewish women. They have kids. Those are called the Samaritans. Re remember, Jesus tells the parable of the fill-in-the-blank, the good Samaritan to a good Jew. There's no such thing as a good Samaritan because a Samaritan is the product of the Assyrian relationship and a Jewish relationship. They call them half-breeds. 722. Well, the, the kingdom of Babylon overtakes the kingdom of Assyria. And in 586, and there's different dates I could, I could throw out there, but in 586, Nebuchadnezzar, we just, we just read it here in Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, comes into the southern kingdom and he wipes it out. In fact, Daniel chapter 1, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. He wiped it out. Some versions say he razored it. I love that. I don't know why. I've always loved that. He razored it. He just, he devastated it. 722, 586. And you got to ask yourself this question. Why? Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Why, why does God allow these two 
kingdoms to basically devastate his people. Well, I'm going to tell you. It has to do with God's people and their failure to observe the Sabbath. Listen to what Jeremiah says. Now, Jeremiah, um, contemporaries with Daniel somewhat, but before Daniel, Jeremiah predicts what was about to happen some 50, 60 years before this even happens. Jeremiah 17, 27, if you just jot that down, this is the word of the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah. Listen to this. But if you, people of God, if you will not heed me to hallow, to make holy the Sabbath day, such as not carrying a burden when entering the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then, God speaking, then I will kindle a fire in its gates, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem, and it shall not be quenched. This actually literally happens. Listen to Jeremiah 25, 11. And this whole land, I don't have all the verses up here, and this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Why 70 years? The Jewish people When Nebuchadnezzar invades the southern kingdom in 586 BC, he takes the cream of the crop. He takes, in other words, he would. If if we were the people of God and Nebuchadnezzar invaded us, he would grab Zach Dunkley. All right, he'd take the cream of the crop. He'd go after Hillbill over here. He'd take Kerry Doss because he needs his own private golf instructor. He'd take Micah because he needs an IT guy. He'd take Cyrus because he definitely needs someone to put some very nice rugs in his palace. That's what the Babylonians would do. And they hauled the people of God into captivity for 70 years. Why 70 years? Because God says in the law that for every year his people violated the Sabbath, there was a 10-year penalty. It's kind of like hockey. Penalty box, 10 years. For every one year you diss my Sabbath, God says, you pay 10 years. Seven times 10, shout it out. 70. And so Jeremiah says, and this is a 25-11, this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. In other words, people are going to come to the southern kingdom and they're going to go, oh, you vey, oh my goodness, what happened here? And then Daniel chapter 9, verse 2. I'm answering the why. In the, Daniel writes this. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books of the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah. So this is very interesting because Daniel is actually doing Bible study and he's quoting Jeremiah, the same Jeremiah that you have in your Bible. The word of the Lord came to me through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. God wipes out temporarily his people because they failed to observe the Sabbath. I'm so grateful that our senior pastor has led us down this road because we, I, we need to understand what 
is the Sabbath. You say, you know, Dan, I'm a little uncomfortable with you preaching on this because, I mean, the Sabbath, I mean, you know, honor the Sabbath. That's, that's in the law. We live under grace. We're no longer under the law. We're under grace. Well, guess what? You lose. Because in Genesis, God establishes the Sabbath before the law. So the Sabbath was established in a time of grace. So it still applies. I want to give you a working definition of the Hebrew word Shabbat. And I think maybe I might even have it up there on a slide. What do we know about Shabbat? Shabbat is the Hebrew word for Sabbath. And we're first introduced to it in the book of Genesis, where the Bible says that God creates everything in six days. Now, I know some of you, you're those evolution Christians, and, and that's fine. Uh, we can still have coffee. Um, I don't really think the issue is the time. I think God could have done it in six seconds. But I do believe that God created everything in six literal 24-hour days. You say, Dan, why do you believe that? Because of the Sabbath. Because after God is done creating, one, two, three, four, five, six, it says in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, early on, that on the seventh day, just turn to your neighbor and fill in the blank, God rested. He rested. So the word Shabbat literally means to rest. Now, if, if you're like me, and, I, and I, don't, I don't know if you are, but if you're like me, I mean, I grew up in church. I mean, I grew up, you know, hearing about the Sabbath is, is supposed, Sabbath is on Sunday. Technically, it's on Saturday. The Sabbath is on Sunday. And I remember all of my pastors growing up saying, you got to be in church on Sunday. Now, I grew up a good Baptist. Let me tell you, Sunday was probably the busiest day of the week for me growing up. Because there was early morning church. There was this, we used to have this thing called Sunday school. And then um, you'd come back Sunday for choir practice. And then after choir practice was Sunday night church, which I always loved because the pastor would wear jeans. And, um, and then after the Sunday service, if you were truly spiritual, you'd go to a restaurant and hang out with your friends. Sunday was anything but a Sabbath day. Now, my wife and I, we're, we're at the place in our lives where we don't have little kids running around the house anymore, but I see some of you guys here on Sunday, and I can just see on your face, this ain't no Sabbath. I mean, you're trying to, like, wrestle your kids early on, get them to church, get them down the hallway, and then get back in here by 10 o'clock. And I know for some of you, by the time church is over, you're exhausted. Uh, raise your hand if uh, amen to nap time on Sunday afternoon, dear ones. Yeah. The Sabbath, we have been taught well-meaning, well-meaning pastors and Bible teachers have been telling us for years, for some of us our entire lives, that the Sabbath is the day you're supposed to rest. You're supposed to just sit home in your jammies and binge watch whatever, you know, Grey's Anatomy if you're Christina. The word Shabbat does mean rest but it doesn't mean a lack of activity. I mean, think about God, right? Just think about God for a second. He creates everything. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 that Jesus was the creation agent. Jesus is the one who's speaking things into being out of nothing. 
Do you think on the Sabbath day that God just turns his back on his creation? No. What Shabbat means is that I was headed in this direction. I was doing something all week. I'm an accountant, okay? I'm not, but I'm just role-playing. I'm an accountant. All Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm doing my accountant thing. The Bible says that one day out of my week, I don't do any accounting. I'm a school teacher. I'm grading papers. I'm listening to cranky parents. Can I get an amen, Mike Brown? All right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I've got to have one day in my week where I'm not grading papers. Does it mean that I sit on the couch in my jammies all day? Well, if that sort of thing turns you on, great. But that's not what Shabbat means. What Shabbat means is that you've got to have one full day where you don't do what it was, what it is rather, that you normally do. Pastor Zach needs to have one full day where he doesn't do any church stuff. He doesn't think about church. He doesn't do a funeral. He doesn't do a wedding. He doesn't visit someone in the hospital. He has a Sabbath day. That's what Shabbat means. It's not a cessation from activity. It's a cessation from the activity that you normally do. So what can we learn from this? Because God's serious about this. God wants you, God wants me to have a Sabbath. Now, Paul in the New Testament tells us that one day is as another. Some of you work on Saturday. Some of you work on Sunday. The day isn't the issue anymore, amen, because of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are free in Christ. But the principle of Sabbath rest still applies today. What can we learn from this? Let me give you three things. Number one is that God is serious about the Sabbath. He's serious about the Sabbath. The book of Exodus, and I give you a lot of different verses, but for time's sake, let me just give you one verse. This is Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. For in six days, not six billion years, in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. It doesn't mean God was in his jammies watching TV. It means that he did something else. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. This day is extra special. Now, every day can be special, but this is an extra special day. I just had a curiosity. How many of you guys love when you wake up, for those of you that don't have to work the weekend, you wake up on Saturday morning, and you're lying in bed, and you look at your clock, and it flashes 5 a.m., and you wake up, and you realize, I don't have to get up for another hour. Is that not just a fantastic feeling? Aren't you glad we have 10 o'clock church, not 8 o'clock church? God blessed this day. Whatever that day is for you, that is to be a holy day. You say, Dan, that's legalism. No, I say that's grace because it came before the law. I believe God's serious about the Sabbath, and there's lots of different reasons. I just want to give you two here. Number one has to do with your health. It has to do with your health. One of the uh, things that has been the biggest blessing for me as um, Zach's associate 
is that probably the biggest part of my ministry at this church has been meeting you all for coffee. And one of the things that's been heavy on my heart over these past four and a half years that I've had the privilege to minister to you, this congregation, is that some of you work so hard. We have people in our congregation that work 70-hour work weeks. Can I just say to you, stop now, I, I realize that, you know, there are weeks that you have to do that. There's weeks I have to do that. Stop. You will burn yourself out. Your kids are growing up faster than you think. Before you know it, you'll be at a high school graduation, and you will turn to your spouse, and you will say, where did the time go? We're not machines. And, and as a person that likes to work on machines, I can tell you that even machines need a break. There's a reason why God made this day, whatever day you take, holy. Because God wants you to be healthy people. I mean, just ask Dr. Kudenchuk. Is it good for your heart for you to be stressed out, working 70 hours a week, week after week after week? I'm going to tell you, dear ones, you're going to pay. It might, it, it might be a while, but it's going to catch up with you. And there is um, a second reason, and that has to do with creativity. Britain came up here and was talking about how his father was a, a creative guy, kind of an, an, an artsy guy. I'm, I'm not an artsy person. Don't really relate to artsy people. But creativity, you need a day where you don't have to think about the thing that you do to bring in money the rest of the week. A, a, a time of creativity to do something else. I have two people jobs. They are super intense people jobs. I, I, I look forward, um, for me, it's Saturday. I look forward to Saturdays because I just, I don't want to talk to people. I, I just, I, I just want to lose myself in, in building my pond or going for a super long walk. But it, it is in that, that time for me is holy. That is where I connect with God. Number two, what do we learn about the Sabbath, Shabbat? It forces me to depend upon God. It forces me to depend upon God. Listen to Exodus 20.10. Now, this is contextual, so don't get hung up on the, the slave part. Uh, but the seventh day is the Sabbath, the Shabbat of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor, nor your stranger who is within your gates. God says, don't do what it is you've been doing, and even the people in your household, all the way down to your pet. I don't want you to do what it is you've been doing. I know it may not seem like it, but I am a total control freak. Pretty much every pastor is. I mean, it's just, Zach knows what I'm talking about, all right? We, we pretend that we're not, but we are. Um, and, I, and I know that there's been different people in our church that have said, man, you're just like, you're so Southern California laid back, you know? Um, I'm really good at fooling people. I mean, I, I like, I, I don't like surprises. I like order. 
and structure. Now, I'm not the kind of person who likes to play with Excel spreadsheets, okay? But there's different kinds of crazy. And, and I don't like my life getting out of whack. Raise your hand if, if, if you're tracking with me. I, I, I like to know what's going to happen tomorrow morning. But God says, I need to have one day where I take my hand off the wheel. Why? Because I've got to have a day where I just say, Lord, I don't. Here's the thing. The, the older you get, the more you realize how little you actually control. My wife recently gave me a really big, fatty leadership book. It's just called FYI, For Your Improvement. And um, she goes, I want you to read this book. In it, there is a chapter, and it said, the chapter is chapter two, Dealing with Ambiguity. Let me just read this to you. According to studies, 90% of the problems of middle managers and above are ambiguous. It's neither clear what the problem is nor what the solution is. The higher you go, the more ambiguous things get. Most people with a brain given unlimited time and 100% of the information could make accurate and good decisions. Most people given access to how this specific problem has been solved hundreds of times before could repeat the right decision. The real rewards go to those who can comfortably make more good decisions than bad with less than all the information in less time with few or no precedence on how it was solved before. Dealing with ambiguity. I mean, if you're a control freak, the Sabbath is even more important. Because, listen, I'm really not in charge of anything. I'm not in charge of my health. I'm not in charge of my finances. I'm not in charge of my job, my kids. God knows I'm not in charge of politics. I mean, I just really, I need a day where I say, Lord, I give it up to you. Cyrus Moffey is one of my best friends. And Cyrus Moffey has been, I believe, put in my life because he's the guy who every time I whine to Cyrus about something, he says, and Cyrus, I hope you won't be offended, but I have to do my Cyrus Moffey impersonation. Mr. Ed, you just need to give it to God. And I just want to punch him. <laughs> but he's right. I can't control things. And God says, you got to have one day where you take your hand off the wheel. This is the true meaning of Shabbat. It doesn't mean you're irresponsible. We live under grace. There are weeks when you have to, you're traveling. you got to put in extra time, but you need a Shabbat. I challenge you to be comfortable with a certain amount of ambiguity in your life. You don't have to have it all figured out. Where does faith come in? Where does trust come in? if I have everything figured out. Number three, it is the only way to get fresh vision. It's the only way. There, there's no other way. You've got to take a Sabbath day to get fresh vision. Listen to Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 31. But, now this but here, strong adversative conjunction is talking about striving that came before this verse. But, those who wait on the Lord. 
literally the Hebrew is those who are still. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Man, you got to have a day where you are just open to the Holy Spirit, just filling you with new vision, especially those of you who are leaders, especially those of you who aspire to be leaders. Pastors are the worst at this. Pastors don't know how to take Sabbaths. In the denomination where I received my ordination, you're basically required after seven years to take three months off. As someone who very much loves your senior pastor, I am charging you as a congregation, when this guy hits year seven, give him a, force him. Have Britain speak for the next three months or somebody and give Zach a Sabbath if you want to be a successful church. Because if he doesn't have vision, the whole thing goes down the drain. And if you don't have vision, your life spirals out of control. Harry Emerson Fosdick was a, he was an interesting guy. He, he was a Baptist pastor who spoke in a Presbyterian church. I don't know how that works. But he said this. He said, he who cannot rest cannot work. He who cannot let go cannot hold on. And he who cannot find footing cannot go forward. 722, 586. You need a Sabbath. Let's pray. Worship team is going to come up, and I just encourage you as we continue to worship, as we take our offering and we go through all the rest of the parts of our service, with every eye closed, let me just, let me pray for you, this beautiful, wonderful church. Father, this is a congregation that works hard. This is a congregation full of young families and lots of kids, and we're tired. Oh, God, would that we would reformat our lives and put you first. Father, I pray that you would whisper to the hearts of our people this very morning, God. And I pray that maybe even this afternoon, Lord, we would we'd go for a long walk. We'd do what it is we need to do to hear your voice. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Lord, we can't hear your voice if we're busy all the time. Pray that you would bless us this day. And all God's people said,